0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Future-proof our year at the moment. And as we learnt last week, a wise philosopher at uh, the ripe age of about three or four, I don't we don't know how young he was, yours truly, after breaking his slinky, he said, things are things and then they're not. Things are things and then they're not. In other words, things are not future-proof. Things decay, things erode. It's the third law of thermodynamics. Everything goes from an ordered state to chaos. Things are things and then they're not. And we learned last week that if you want to future-proof your life, then invest in people, not things. Now, this concept of future-proofing, is not limited to Apple or all the tech companies. Jesus taught us to future-proof in the passage that we'll read from this morning. He was the first future-proofer where he said, Guys, Matthew 6 verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy your slinkies, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy And where thieves do not break and steal for where your treasure is your heart will be also the eye and he starts getting cryptic is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light within you is darkness how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot Serve both God and money. Things are things and then they're not. Don't we know that? Don't we feel that? And so, invest in people, not things. But we're constantly investing in things all the time. Or, at an even deeper level, sometimes we don't even think about our investment in non-things. Here's what I mean. Uh, Andrew Carnegie, the second richest man in history, listen to what he wrote in his journal as a young man. 33, here's his dream, 33 and an income of 50,000 per annum. By this time, two years, I can so arrange all of my business as to secure at least 50,000 per annum. Beyond this, never earn. Make no effort to increase fortune, but to spend the surplus each year for benevolent purpose. Cast aside business forever, except for others. What a diary entry for a young man. You know, the poor guy didn't make good on that diary entry because he was still working until the last few years of his life. The point being though, even though he was working, Carnegie gave away 90% of his $370 million wealth back then. (laughs) Somewhere in the order of $200 billion would have been his wealth. He donated something like 7,000 church organs, It's like the world's biggest organ donor. (laughs) 7,000 church organs from this plan of a young man in a diary. Question for you, do you have that type of plan in your diary? For all of you that did your dream boards up this year, and this is what I had to ask myself, to what extent for all the things on my dream board this year, for my New Year's resolutions, to what extent was there a resolution towards deliberate, leveraged generosity? Things are things, and then they're not. Because here's what I want you to get this morning, is that there will be multiple opportunities for you to pray for someone this year. But what if now you planned in order to be the answer? There'll be multiple opportunities to pray for. You you know what it's like. People come in, you see a need. People say someone's really struggling here. They need a little bit of help. And you say, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for that. I'll pray for that. What if in that moment God is nudging you to be the answer to that prayer? Have you deliberately leveraged your resources to be ready for that? Because here's the reality and it's true of my life, so I'm assuming it's true of yours. Everybody gives, but not everyone is generous. Hear the difference? Everyone gives, but not everyone is generous. To which some of you, some of you are going, hang on, hang on, I am generous, hang on, I am generous. And we think that way, you say, don't say that to me, we think that way, well, it's it's because of this dynamic. Have you ever noticed that whenever someone says that you don't do something, you then find every reason to say why you did? Like for me, it's whenever my wife says that I never stack the dishwasher. I went, "Hang on, no, I stacked the dishwasher. I stacked the dishwasher twice all the way back in 2014." <laughs> right? We do this, right? It's because. Um, Generosity is hard, and what happens first and foremost, the reason why generosity, not giving, is so hard is because we define generosity by random acts of giving. Hey, but you go, hang on, I was generous. I gave back then. You know, World Vision called me. I sponsored a child once, back in 2014. I, I gave when there was the bigger church appeal on. I had, big, I had big numbers into all this. I'm a, I'm a generous person. No, the reason generosity is hard, first and foremost, is... The generosity is not defined by random acts of giving. Generosity is so much more than that. But at a deeper level, generosity doesn't come naturally because we live in a world that's geared against us being generous. We live in a world that's full of advertisements, like from, you know, what's the slogan for L'Oreal? I wouldn't know. You know, I don't wear that much makeup these days. We're online now, so I, I'm starting to get into it. But what does L'Oreal say to you, ladies? Because you're Worth it because you're worth it. You're worth it. Right? You're worth it. Not someone else is worth it. You're worth it. We live in a society that is geared towards saying to you, you've earned it. It's owed to you. So you spend it. You do with it what you want. Now that's greed. 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 <laughs> greed is just the assumption of consumption. Greed is the assumption of con- it's mine. I've I've got to have it. But Uh, Not only is the world geared towards uh, all of us uh, focusing in on ourselves, but Jesus time and time again says, particularly in this little sermonette that we just read from, Jesus says there's a power for money to blind you spiritually. Time and time again. You know that Jesus spoke five times more about greed than he did sexual immorality? Jesus constantly saying, watch out for all kinds of greed. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Because he's saying money has the power to spiritually blind you. You don't see this. You don't see the way that it, that it does it. Um, I, I call it, you, you see how this happens in your life. I call this um, demographic stratification. And what I mean by this is have you ever caught yourself when you're in that moment of looking around? at everyone else's house and everyone else's car and everyone else's stuff and everyone else's things that's around you. And if you spend a, a, enough time in that land, you start to think that, well, you know what, I'm, I'm really quite, I'm not that well off. You know, you go into our complex, it's like everyone in everyone in the our complex these days seem to drive a Lexus and I don't drive a Lexus. I'm, I'm terribly, you know, I'm just not that well off. I'm a poor pastor. <sighs> But the reality is if you drove to church today, if you own a car today, I know you're not driving it as much in this shadow lockdown that we're all in, but if you own a car today, you are in the top 1% richest people in the world. We don't feel like it because money through demographic stratification has the power to blind us. And so as a result, gen- generosity is not easy, is it? I can't afford it. I can't afford to give. I can't, I can't do this. I'm already stretched. I don't know how I'm going to do all of this. You know, there's a great way to, um, side note, if you're a guest with us today, um, welcome to church. You thought of all messages that I have to get in on, the pastor's going to talk about money. Right? Just wait until we get the band up and we start getting the plates through and we get it. No, we're not going to go there this morning. Everybody gives but not everyone is generous and look, if we did that, that would just be leveraging you to give. I don't want to teach you or I don't want to make you give today. I want to teach you to be generous. I want to see a dynamic within you that creates a dynamic of generosity, of othersness in this today. Because C.S. Lewis said, we must repent of our small ambitions. There is nothing like the self interested, selfish life to crumple in on itself. And the way that you avoid that is by developing a discipline of generosity, not the pressure of giving. Hear the difference? So rest easy. At ease. Look at everyone's shoulders. They just go, ha. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to ask you to give this morning. I want to talk about how you, how you become generous. And, and perhaps the, the most classic way for me when I come back to this dynamic is to think, of course, as many of you would know, of the dead cat principle. Many all siders know the dead cat principle by now. Yeah, Nathan's already gesturing. The dead cat principle. Two worms fall from the sky. One falls into a crack in the cement. The other one falls into a dead cat. Two weeks later, malnourished, on the brink of starvation and death, the worm from the crack calls out to the worm in the dead cat and says, please, kind sir, will you tell me the secret of your success? To which the worm in the cat says, hmm, strategic planning and a sound and broad vision. We've fallen into a dead cat top 1% of the world's most wealthy. We, fought, we, we, we live in the lower north shore of Sydney, some of us, except for Paulie coming up from Campbelltown, still lives in the dead cat out there in Campbelltown. If you're living in Sydney, Crow's Nest is the dead cat of Sydney. <laughs> a place of richness and nutrients. God says, look at all is that around you. A free country, democracy, a lack of war. We've seen the ravages of the way that this pandemic has cut through other countries that haven't had access to vaccines and all the other things that are happening. We've had economic stability compared to the rest of the world. We we've, we've have we've people clean running water that you don't have to walk 15 kilometres to go and do. We've got access to some of the brightest minds that are happening. We've got an economy that's thriving. We've got jobs on our doorstep. And God says, oh, you've earned it. You're worth it. <laughs> you, er- you earned it, did you? Who gave you the mind that you think with? In fact, go deeper than that. How did you choose to be born in this wonderful dead cat? How did you decide? that you would be here listening to this this morning. You weren't it. Who sent you to that school? Who gave you the opportunities? Who flew you out here? Who gave you the access to be in Australia? Who who, who was the one that, that gave you the opportunities that happened to earn what you earn? At the, the, the deepest level, God says, who did all this? It was me. It was an act of my total and utter grace. It's a line out of the great... Movie Staying Alive, when Tony Monaro, played by John Travolta, fronts up to his producer all angry. The producer says, What'd you ever do? What'd you ever do, Monaro? What'd you ever do? And I think the Lord, in, in the most convicting and the loving firmness of the rebuke, says, When we come to these moments where we say, I can't afford it, the Lord says, What'd you ever do to be in this place? A Christian is someone who comes into the reality to say, the Lord has dropped me in a dead cat. Not just of our worldly circumstances, but our citizenship with him. Our, our, the family, the fellowship that Paul talked about, the richness, the beauty of the things that you can't buy, <laughs> the things that are not things, the gift that he gives us, he drops us into. And he says to you and I now, all I ask is that you share a little bit of it. Parents, you know this. You take your kids down to an ice cream shop they get all excited you go down you hand over your 50 dollars that it takes now to buy a couple of kids an ice cream at the shop and you'll ask your child can i have a lick of the ice cream and they say no it's mine <laughs> <laughs> it's yours is it do you work for it what would you do you would you <laughs> god says i just want a lick of the ice cream but more than that i don't want it for me says the lord he says i want it for you because the more that you hold on to this stuff, the more you'll become a self interested, twisted, inward looking person. I want it, I've given you all of this blessing so you can be a blessing to other people. And that's where we get the true definition of generosity. Generosity is the premeditated, calculated, designated unshackling of value. Generosity is the premeditated. Calculated, designated, unshackling of personal value. Jesus says in that passage that we saw, Peter can bring it up. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. First and foremost, if you're going to be generous, it requires a plan. It's premeditated. It's on your dream board. There's a strategy about it. You've thought about it now rather than later. Now before the classic pink slide comes up on a Sunday. Now before that person calls you up on the phone and asks you to donate. It's premeditated. You know, truly generous people don't feel guilty in saying no to uh, people asking them for help. You know why? Because they've already said yes to something else. They've said no to the person on the side of the street because they've already decided back in January of 2022, I decided that I was going to designate my giving to this it's premeditated ungenerous givers on the other hand they're the three s's spontaneous sporadic and they're sparing where your treasure is your heart will be also what i love about jesus's genius with this is that if you want to shift your heart towards generosity this is the one place in the bible where action precedes the heart intention everywhere else in the bible it's about changing your heart so then your actions overflow this is the one area where jesus says, because of the power of money your action must precede where your heart where your treasure is then your heart will follow hear the difference so if you want to shift your heart towards generosity don't sit in the corner of the auditorium and pray or at home and pray no jesus says be premeditated plan say yes to something generosity requires a plan then it's calculated there's an amount to it um, 1 first Corinthians 16 1 to 3 says now about the collection for the Lord's people do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of every week each one of you should set aside of money in keeping with your income you see that in keeping with your income to to the extent that God has dropped you in the dead cat to the extent that you are being successful to the extent that God is blessing you with this, then you give. New T- Testament generosity is a percentage. It's a percentage, and it's really clear because when you're starting off as a uni student and you've got to give 100 bucks, 10 bucks at a time doesn't seem like much of an issue. When you move into the corporate world, as some people do, or you run businesses, then giving, giving suddenly when you earn a hundred thousand dollars, it's a different story. Givers, in a premeditated way, learn how to build generosity into their life as a calculated amount. And then it's not only premeditated, calculated, but it's designated. Matthew 6 verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Generosity always requires a destination that's worthy of your heart. Have you ever found that? Generosity always requires a destination that is worthy of your heart. It's why this morning this is not a message to say, give to the church. In fact, all of you, if you're giving generously, shouldn't just be giving to church. One of the stories that I love is I know there's a a young adult Northsider uh, who deliberately has set up a fund that gives into a range of varying charities outside of their regular giving to the church. They've got this premeditated plan to give. And they do it to things that they're passionate about. What is, and the best way to think about it, what, what are you grateful for or what does your heart break for? What are you grateful for or what is your heartbreak for? And what you're grateful for, certainly there'd be lots of people that would give to the church because they're grateful for what their church does or what the local church does. or What I love about this place is there are still ex-Northsiders that invest into this place and they're interstate because they believe in our vision and it's been a blessing to them and they're grateful for that. But I also know that there are lots of Northsiders who give to causes and shelters and charities that are in line with the things that their hearts are passionate about. So it's designated. The calculated, premeditated, designated, unshackling, generous people understand that... (laughs) This stuff called money can have you by the throat. And it's the progressive discipline of unshackling yourself from the desire to say, hey, I'm worth it, it's mine. That that this is all for me. It's a progressive unshackling of our finances and the controls it has over us so we can say, hey, I'm free, I'm free to give. Christians often are the only ones that are free to say, hey, I'm able to give in this particular way. That's the wrestle for us this morning, isn't it? As we finish, <laughs> we always feel nervy about this. I always love, I always love giving messages because it feels like there's way less humour in the room. Have you ever <laughs> noticed that? It's like, oh, so heavy. We know that this is. It's like a remedial massage. In the minute you talk about money in front of people in the church, it's just like, oh, Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me about that. <laughs> Funny enough, you know, Paul in 1 Timothy says, command your people to be generous. Teach them, teach them and all that, which is what we're doing this morning. You see, the the grapple for you and I is that we just go, we're all going to go, but I can't afford this. Sam, you don't know what I've been through this this year. I I can't afford this. And I, I tell you what, so many churches have stuffed it up over the years of pressuring people in this setup. People who genuinely can't afford to give the sorts of things they give, and they've manipulated them into giving, and they've never fostered generosity. All they've ever done is manipulated someone who may not have been able to afford it to give something that they just didn't have to give in the first place. That's not what we're doing here. Everyone gives, but not everyone is generous. And my heart for you, as Paul's was for the church in that time when he said, teach people to, to be generous, is to say, I've got a heart that you would have a desire that you would live a big life as we tie into what we were talking about last year, if we want to future-proof our lives, if we want the sort of lives that are not shook around by everything that's happening with us at the moment, then one of the best things that we can do, last week, as Moses said in Psalm 90, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. remind you that the bookends of your life are not from birth and death from but from everlasting to everlasting and a key part of that life the lord says that when you start in this world from birth you'll have nothing but as you move through this progression in the world i'm going to pour blessing out upon you and whether you become the sort of person that lives with a lightness and a joy and a greatness will depend on your degree of generosity and as we heard we know it's not easy (laughs) because we hate hearing about this sort of stuff. And more than that, it's not just money. Generosity is the transfer of value. I constantly say in this place, there are hands only you can hold. There are phone calls only you can have. There are bedsides and lounges that you can either sit beside or sit in with people. For some of you, money is not the issue this morning with your generosity, but it's your time. But either way, God has ordained the context of your life That as you move from birth through to death, he will pour blessing into it, the dead cat principle. So that you, as you take this blessing into your life, can distribute it into the lives of others and live a big life. The duck is purple, remember? (laughs) The duck is purple. The duck is purple it makes no sense unless there is context and one of the great contexts of this world is that god calls you to be generous and so what do we do this morning as we head into communion i want you to consider what it is that you might begin to deliberately start doing in order to be generous i mean like for example if you suddenly had a five or a ten percent reduction in your income tomorrow what would happen i'll tell you what would happen you'd be really grumpy and unhappy but you'd make do I'm not saying that you go to 10% this morning, but if there was a reduction in your income tomorrow, what if we make do but then we're happy, not grumpy, knowing that we had a deliberate reduction in our income in order to give into the lives of others? People do this all the time. You have been doing that all the time. There are hundreds of people on the other side of this camera. There are people, hundreds of people that are part of this church family that are investing into the ether at the moment as we kind of gather in this weird space in our church looks so totally different and i'm so grateful as a pastor that we are part of a church who have understood that giving is that wonderful discipline on dynamic that takes you beyond yourself and so as we come to communion this morning i love the fact that jesus never calls us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself jesus gave jesus was generous jesus poured out his life jesus understood that the bookends of his life were not from his birth and to his death clearly not because he gets out of a tomb a couple of days later but he constantly poured into the lives of others he didn't have much money to give but he healed he listened he spoke he invested into people he was generous and the ultimate act of generosity was displayed at the cross when he died for you and I. (laughs) Jesus says, look, here's the deal. (laughs) I'll give my life so you can give a percentage of yours. Sound cool? Fair deal. Let's eat and drink. Let's take communion. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.